Welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. We relive the war skirmish by skirmish to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. Then we reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings using our golden envelope. Well, 1996's music has just hit, and the brand new calendar year is striding through the curtain and down the gangway, arms flailing like Vinnie Mac on the way to a promo. But we'll start by introducing ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Steve, and I am, as always, joined by a man who starts a stopwatch every time he enters McDonald's and gives them five minutes to take and complete his order, otherwise he attempts to sue for false advertising, claiming that any longer, and it isn't fast food, is it, the absolute stickler, it's the one and only to pick a gym! All right, Jim. Hi, how are you doing? I'm uh, top of the world after my, my, my recent victory in the, the t- inaugural TMS World Cup, so yeah, excited <laughs> to go get into the 96 reviews. <laughs> Oh no, it's going to be this all, all the way through, isn't it, Liam? <laughs> Praise ourselves, Christ. <laughs> and I'm also joined by a man who doesn't know what the rest of us are mourning about, about a heatwave, as it's clima normal as far as he's concerned. It's lost Liam. <laughs> all right, all right chaps. <laughs> how you doing? Good, good. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how, uh, how Raw kick off 96, really. They've had a, a dire end to 95 so the only way is up eh the only way surely is up So into 1996 we go, and what a year for wrestling it was. The legends of the Attitude Era all start to come to the fore, and we cannot wait to get into it here on the Monday. All right, Jim, no need for that. I'll get your place in history, some cultural reference points before you get like that. Let's set the scene. The date is the 1st of January 1996. This week, 12 monkeys... (laughs) Escape from the zoo. (laughs) Yes. Starring Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe and Brad Pitt top the US box office. The premise is that a deadly virus is released into the world and I don't know how the film did so well, sounds completely absurd to me. There were goals galore in the New Year's Day Premier League fixtures, with three teams putting four goals past the opposing team's defences, as Chef Wed beat Bolton 4-2, Liverpool beat Notts Forest by the same scoreline and Spurs beat Man United 4-1. Elsewhere... Los Liam's beloved Caramelos beat the Crazy Gang 3-2 at Sellers Park and Aston Villa somehow beat the mighty Borough at the Riverside. There must have been a run-in by the horseman or something, it's the only explanation. And we had an unprecedented amount of music releases with some names you just cannot believe were real. The Helicopters released Super Shitty to the Max. Chumbawamba released Swinging with Raymond. No, thank you. Diesel Boy released Cock Rock. Eli released Gandalf's Beat Machine Level 2. Eli also released Gandalf's Beat Machine Level 3. He's smashing through the game, this lad, he really is. The Luxsmiths released What Bird Is That? Keen amateur ornithologist there, obviously. Uh, (laughs) Wank released Get a Grip on Yourself, obviously. (laughs) The High Llamas released Hawaii. You want to be careful of the volcanoes there, them llamas, if they're all spaced out. Sun City Girls released... 
330,003 cross-dressers from beyond the Rig Vader. I've no idea. Depressive Silence released Depressive Silence 2. It was obviously getting a bit too noisy after the first Depressive Silence. Current 93 released All the Pretty Little Horses. Trashcan Sinatra's released A Happy Pocket. That's nice, isn't it? Indian Summer was released by Landberg, which sounds like a sailor's insult on Charlie, you thought. And Turbonegro <laughs> released Ass Cobra. Sounds perilous. <laughs> what a day for new music. Right, now we know what we were prophetically warning our future selves about at the flicks, what we were watching with a bottle in hand on New Year's Day, and what was causing us to do double takes when reading the official charts. Let's see how Vince and Eric try to compete with that lot. There'll be incessant American football puns, comically clad smoking guns, but no Barry Windhams. Let's get cracking. And we kick off with WWF Raw. And this is no ordinary Raw, as we're treated to the first ever Raw Ball. An American football-themed shtick dead-horse flogging opportunity for the ages. And we start with a straight-from-the-PS1 Raw Ball logo graphic. And, right, Vince is having a laugh now, isn't he, right? This has to be a piss take. His larynx must look like what's currently underneath Reactor 4 at Chernobyl after this intro. <laughs> He's, he explains the situation here in the arena, right? So, God help you for your throat when you would have to do the Brother Love Show forfeit, Liam, because this is ridiculous. Anyway, with the marching man providing this soundtrack... Vinnie Mac tells us that <laughs> this is the stepdaddy of the Mac Daddy of them all. <laughs> the Raw Ball? Anyone get that? No, right? Unbelievable. Don't know what it meant. Anyway. The Raw Ball Queen has been crowned. Dandy Doc, who's Doc Hendricks, is walking the lot and Jimbo Jim, JR, is waiting to talk. As he stands outside the men's locker room, does JR in a trench coat, looking for all the world like he really should not be hanging outside changing rooms. <laughs> but that's not all. Not only are we going to get the Raw Ball, more on that in a sec, but Diesel's here, King Mabel's here, Gold Dust is here, the Nacho Man is here. Who? Says King. The Huckster is here. The what? Says King. <laughs> Scheme Gene is here. Well, I got a bone to pick with that guy, says King, but in, you know, not the accent, you know, because he sounds like King when he talks. Even Billionaire Ted is here. What's he doing here, says King. As we see all of the WCW lads portrayed by intentionally offensively cast actors. So the Huckster is played by an old bloke with no muscles. Anyway, more on that fast later as we head into the arena for the first time. And we are not live from the Bob Carpenter Centre in Newark, Delaware for an episode that was pre-recorded on the 18th of December 95 had a decent festive break the Raw lads and lasses here and fair enough anyway as the in-stand band continues to play we're greeted by Vince King and a whole hell of a lot of tenuous American football puns from ringside and these puns do not stop like throughout the episode relentless are they it's ridiculous all night with this guy it really is all night it was atrocious it was ridiculous and we get so many of them over such a short space of time they should come with a public health warning as we get the evening's action underway and bizarrely we begin with our main event the raw ball match itself out first are the reigning tag team champs, the Smoking Guns, as Billy and Bart introduce the shtick. So they both burst through a Monday Night Raw paper banner at the top of the gangway, like the home teams do in American football, see where we're going with this now. And they're wearing their normal attire, save for oversized American football jerseys on top, uh, and all are wearing eye black, right? <laughs> but apart from that, just it's a Smoking Guns. The rings had a makeover too, with a green mat featuring yard markings, just like an American football field. The only difference being that they play absolutely no part whatsoever in proceedings here at all. 
The guns have white jerseys with Bart 45 <laughs> and Billy 38. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? It really is. So Bart has 45 and Billy has the number 38 in an incredibly clever reference to gun calibers. They're followed to the ring by the red-jerseyed heels of Owen Hart and Yokozuma, accompanied by Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette. Owen has the number one, and Yoko has a uh, 641, which King unnecessarily explains is because that's his weight! Thanks, King. Their intro is picture-in-picture, picture, though, and we get a blast of the red-faced borrower himself, Brother Love, whose appearance caused an audible, ay, Dios mio, to be heard outside Lost Liam's gaff. But fear not, it's not the Brother Love show. There's no yeah. forfeit yet, Liam. It's yeah, I shit, I shit myself here. <laughs> it's just him giving a raw ball pep talk, but there's no one else in the locker room. Didn't really understand this, and it happens a lot more later, as we'll get to. Thank God. I've got a week. I've got a week to get the, uh, the vocal cords tuned up. Get them warmed. <laughs> Out next to the biggest pop so far is Razor Ramon and his partner Savio Vega, who are wearing yellow jerseys. Razor's bagged the number four, and Vega has the word Uno <laughs> with single quotation marks outside, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but I quite liked Goldust's Usher again hands the bad guy a token from the bizarre one, a bunch of golden roses, which when the camera zooms in uh, on, you can, on them, you can see that they're plastic. <laughs> no expense spared here on Raw. And Razor does not react well to this. He he shoots the messenger and attacks the bloke and destroys the box of flowers, but oddly doesn't attack Goldust, who is standing right next to the gangway, entrance, feet away from him, leaves him completely alone. But this poor lad, this poor usher, gets marmalised by Razor and sent packing. Vince said, um, as he gave the the roses over, he said, look who's in the end zone. (laughs) Oh, no. Christ. Why why is it the end zone? He's only giving some roses. (laughs) You just, you just know Vince is just loving every single one of these jokes, oh, isn't he? That's terrible. He's written them all, I mean, months in advance, and he's got them all written down, and he's ticking them off as he go, hasn't he? He's playing pun bingo with himself. Fucking I had a big argument once with somebody, because I thought end zone was end zone. <laughs> what, like, the no, no, it's the end zone. It's the E-N-D zone. I said, no, no, it's the end zone. Going back and forth. It's the end what does he think end stood for? I don't have a clue, but I thought that's where it was. Nick Picker, surely. <laughs> 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 no, I was adamant. I was adamant. It's not the end zone. It's the end zone. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Fate Bill Clinton all over again. <laughs> oh, incredible. Anyway, Outlast and accompanied by manager Ted DiBiase is the 123 kid. Who's sporting the number, you'll never guess, one, two, three, but with the hyphens in between still. And whose name at the top of his jersey reads one, two, three, kid, again with the hyphens. So the back of the lad's top reads one, two, three, kid, one, two, three. Jeez. And he's teamed up with his usual tag partner, Psycho Sid, who's bagged the number double zero and just had Sid as his name. I like that. <laughs> That's great. With all the lads in the ring, Vince explains the rules, and this does need a bit of explaining. So essentially, so I'm not, I'm not going to paraphrase Vince because I didn't really have a clue. I'll tell you what it is. It's basically a four-way tag team elimination match. So you know exactly like American football with four teams competing at once. Each team gets one timeout, which they can use at any time. Now remember that, as it's important yeah, later. This is this is well, well any time, isn't it? <laughs> and any team member can call that timeout at any time. Got it? Good. Any footballs involved? No, not not one football oh, inside. Right, okay. No, that's... makes complete makes complete sense. This. Yeah, totally. And yardage plays no part. Right? So, 
<laughs> totally, totally irrelevant. Now, any wrestler can tag in or be tagged in at any time, and they must make physical contact with the other wrestler who's in the ring before they can tag out again. Sounds sensible. Sounds, sounds perfectly reasonable. Does not work in practice, as we'll get to. When either member is eliminated by pinfall, submission, countout, or DQ, that team is out. They're eliminated. And we keep going until we have a winner. Oh, and referee Earl Hebner, a.k.a. the headlinesman, as Vince calls him, is in charge. He's wearing fancy dress American football referee attire, so normal black and white striped top, but then white trousers, white socks, and a white hat, making him look like some kind of sex pest angler. And he's got a whistle <laughs> and a yellow penalty flag. The punishment for the yellow penalty flag's use is never explained. We assume a DQ, but never explained. And he's also got a lapel mic hooked up to the PA system, just like in the NFL. Bart Gunn and Owen kick things off after Vince says that Earl Hebner conducted the coin toss earlier on. I mean, it must have been multiple coin tosses to decide which two of the yeah, eight wrestlers. I was thinking that straight away. How do you do a coin toss between four Heads of tails. Oh, it's Bart and Owen. You know, it doesn't work. Does it? <laughs> anyway, right. So both lads start in the three-point stance as if at the line of scrimmage uh, before a down and launch at one another, but nothing starts this. There's no whistle. There's no bell. They just look each other around. Like, well, should, we, should we go now? It's a total farce. Um, and Bart plants Owen with a drop toe hold and follows up with a few drop kicks and hip tosses that then cause the cowardly heart to get out of dodge and he tags in Billy Gunn, much to the future Mr. Ass's shock. He's going up against his partner. We've immediately come to this ridiculous rule. What are we going to do? And immediately we hit a problem. A kayfabe shattering, who thought this was a good idea, face palm inducing problem. The rules state that any man can be tagged in at any time, as we've discussed, and that before another tag can be made, there must be physical contact between two the two wrestlers. So just shake hands and then yeah. tag in another wrestler. Push each other. This is, just, this is it. Tap. Like, <laughs> anyway, King rejoices at the fact that they have to wrestle each other. They have to do it. No, King, <laughs> they don't. The physical contact could have been a high five, but never mind. But instead of any of those options, the guns lock up like morons. Bart side headlocks Billy, so he's done a move on him, who counters by pushing Bart in the ropes, then leaps frog him, and when he returns, runs a rope himself, and then gets caught with a hip toss by Bart. But this time, the clever guns, you see, he's supported into a feet-first landing position by his teammate, and then they both storm over to Hart and Yoko's corner, both of whom are comically not paying attention and looking over there into the crowds. They're not watching what's going on. And they tack both of them in. Genius from the lads. So now we have another problem. Another kayfabe shattering. Who thought this was a good idea? Face palm induced problem. So all of the same issues apply, but now the heels have been shown how they can avoid beating each other senseless by the guns and do their bit of, you know, like not really wrestling and then wrestling and then tagging another team. But they don't. They actually go at it like a pair of absolute morons. What the hell is this about? It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm saying it quite a lot throughout this, but even this was something that did stand out. <laughs> just, just total bullshit. What a mess! What, what a, mess. a mess indeed. So, what happens is Owens dragged into the ring as Earl Hebner threatens him with the yellow flag. The consequences of which we don't know, um, but Owen is sufficiently scared about it, and he does come in. We then get what is a typical Yoko match for a bit. So he stands plumb in the middle of the ring, and Owen runs around him and runs the ropes, dodging clotheslines and back elbows before he gets body checked by the big man, and then eventually tags in Savio Vega. King, who is hating the heels going at it, is now delighted at this tag, and his excitement is called out by Vince, to which King replies, I am excited. 
And why wouldn't I be? Look who's sitting next to me. It's the raw ball queen, Ashley Allen. Allen, a former playboy playmate, is at the comms table with the lads. More on this later. Savio starts teeing off on Yoko, but we swiftly return to the Yoko in the centre of the ring stick as Vega runs the ropes a few times before he's dropped by a back elbow, which triggers another American football pun bullshit bingo, as Vince calls it intentional grounding, and King adds, and here comes piling on, as Yoko <laughs> attempts to drop an elbow on Vega. Savio's wise to it though and rolls away just in time and recovers to do a bit of rope running again but he's body slammed by Yoko before he then tags in the 1-2-3 kid who also brings his perm into the ring with him honestly he looks like a poodle the 1-2-3 kid here in, in desperate need of a trip to the dog room it's getting ridiculous now the two start grappling and we get a picture in picture of Goldust licking his lips suggestively, presumably in Razor's direction. In the ring, Vega ducks a lovely looking spinning heel kick from the kid before a firm push somehow gets him a two count. The kid's up quickly though and then immediately eats a lovely looking spinning heel kick from Vega who has more success with the move than kid did, getting a two count before Sid breaks it up. No yellow flag from the headlinesman here by the way and he barely admonishes Sid who's come in and broken this up. Just come on. The kid uses the opportunity to bring Hart back in, and after being floored a few times by Vega, he plans a spinning heel kick too, which sends Vega to the mat, and he seizes his opportunity to tag in his partner Razor, much to the crowd's delight. The picture-in-picture person is obviously being paid by the use, so we get another one, this time, so King can ask Raw Ball Queen Ashley what she thinks about the match. She's clearly being given bollocks by way of a script, and just says things like, This is awesome! And, I love it, it's wild! While King looks super creepy. Owen gets planted by a razor clothesline and tags in Bart Gunn as he seeks to escape. Bart and Razor go at it for all of five seconds before Razor tags in Vega, who is in for even less time before tagging in Psycho Sid. Sid initially takes charge, but Bart floors him with a clothesline for a two count. And then a long, hanging vertical suplex crackers athleticism from both lads here, but that only gets yeah. another two. In comes Vega for Gunn, and Sid absolutely pummels him, then brings in Owen, who does the same, culminating with a nasty-looking insecurity. Great in the ring, these two. Owen takes Savio to his and Yoko's corner, tags in the man from Japan, and continues to beat him down, then tags Hart back in, whose sharpshooter attempt is counted. He brings the 1-2-3 kid in, who lands a spinning heel kick on Vega this time, looking a bit weird as Vega sort of spins the wrong way as he gets hit, sort of towards Kid's body rather than away from it as he's clocked, sort of didn't look natural. Kid brings Yoko in as the picture-in-picture in person earns another hundred bucks as we see Brother Love back to haunt Lost Liam with another tease. He's still back in the locker room, still doing a raw ball pep talk to no one. What this was really funny, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, what was going on? What was it? I didn't Did get any of it. Did any of you two understand one word that left his mouth? Because no. I couldn't. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Didn't get a word. Didn't didn't get the premise. Didn't get what was going on. <laughs> it's like he was doing it as a like as a piss take or as a, as a you know as a punishment for a bet he lost. You know what I mean? Like it was bonkers. I mean, obviously, as you've mentioned, like there's a lot of things that have gone on where you've thought, "Who thought this was a good idea?" But but really, who thought <laughs> know, that bit? I know. We'll, we'll go we'll go to this three times at least. <laughs> That was the thing. Going back to it one after the other. And it's just like, Fuck with no, no change in the shtick. No. It wasn't funny the first time. God. Another thing that annoyed me as well during this like first part was, uh, obviously you've got you've got a lot of people around the, the ring. Um, and Mr. Fuji just kept waving the Japanese flag relentlessly. It was like he was at an opening ceremony. It was like, <laughs> stop pissing, waving that flag. Yeah, some people have seen none of it <laughs> in the crowd. You had a front row seat there and you had Fuji <laughs> run to the IB absolutely livid. <laughs> 
Because he, 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 he was, it was going on for a long time. It was just distracting me. I mean, it was a good distraction initially, but after a bit, I was <laughs> yes. just tapping out. I was tapping out there. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Back in the ring. And the one, two, three kid misses with another one of his weird kind of Bronco Buster style moves. But if it connects, then you've just stuffed your gooch into another man's face at speed. Attempt. <laughs> but, but Vega dodges and the kid's caught in half a tree of wool of his own making. What the fuck? What? Ridiculous. He's stuck, but he can still tag Sid. <laughs> so Sid's right next to him there. So Sid then comes in, starts stomping on Vega as kid manages to extricate himself and then tags the Terminator back in once he's free. Vega makes a dive for his corner and brings in Razor, who's finally going to get his hands on the kid as the crowd come to life. I thought this feud was all over. I thought he'd finally got It'll his hands on the kid about 15 times. This will times. never be over. <laughs> Except <laughs> it, this feud is going on. <laughs> Apparently is. Unbelievable. Ramon drops the kid with a clothesline and then lands a fallaway slam, but the kid then calls timeout. He's the first bit of American football thing that I suppose might make sense. Okay, timeout. I mean, who wants to see that in the you know as a spectacle? Yeah. But fine, he's called timeout. Earl Hebner, yeah, okay. Whistle going. Is the lapel mic gets its first out and as he announces the timeout. But in spite of this, and in spite of Hebner's incessant whistling and arm waving protests, Razor just totally ignores it and delivers the Razor's edge to the kid. No penalty. So what was the point of that? Ted DiBiase mounts the ring apron in protest, and frankly, I'm on his side. Yeah, com- rightly so. Completely, right? But is then ejected by Hebner for, a, for protesting. I mean, that's bullshit. Hebner, not looking, ridiculously blows his whistle again, which apparently signalled the end of the timeout, but not looking at the action. And Sid clocks Razor in the back of the head. Didn't look like he had brass knucks or anything, just, just a sneak attack. But anyway, it sends Razor at the deck, and the still-dazed kid lives up to his name and gets the one, two, three, eliminating Razor and Savio. Marching band music plays, and then a slow-mo replay is annotated by King's Telestrator, or Magistrator, as it is here, lads. See? See what they've done there? <laughs> and, and frankly, that was one of today's better puns. I'll sort of give them that. It, it doesn't show us anything, though. Obviously, it's bullshit. And indeed, that pun seems to be the very reason we are doing this. But it doesn't last long, and before we know it, we're back to the action. The one, two, three kid, he quickly recovers from taking the razor's edge, despite being so, uh, you know, barely able to get the pin previously. And he, <laughs> yeah. he starts out on top against the new man in the ring, who is Bart Gunn. And it's at this point in the match that King tells us he's been on the phone to some bloke who I presume is a bookie. Um, he can't be a very rich bookie though because according to King he has just now made the best tag team in the WWF 101 shots to win the Raw Bowl following the elimination <laughs> of a rival team so the task has just been made easier you'd have a quid on that wouldn't you you'd probably, you'd have a quid. for the tag team champs yeah yeah it's got to be worth a quid anyway Owen Hart jumps in not long after this he switches with a kid and him and Bart put on a, on a good showing of sorts with Hart dominating until he misses a flying headbutt off the top rope. Do any of you guys know what this is the American football equivalent of? Missing a flying headbutt off the top rope? No, go on, because the pun. Hitting the upright, that is. If you miss a flying <laughs> headbutt, you hit the upright. I genuinely missed that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. It's, it's really, really difficult to watch, didn't it? These fucking shit football things. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah, Bart's following this mishap from Owen. Bart gets the hot tag to his partner and uh, Billy Gunn goes on the rampage. He lays out everyone, including 
James E. Cornett, who climbs up on the apron to remonstrate. Uh, the future Mr. Ass, though, he shouldn't have got himself involved in this altercation as the distraction allows Owen Hart to hit a neckbreaker before dragging Billy Gunn to the corner. Uh, he sends here, he sends Yokozuna scaling the turnbuckle and he's going to deliver the dreaded bonsai drop to, to Billy Gunn. Uh, what follows is a spot that probably sounded good in theory, but let's be honest, looks shite in practice. Um, oh. Gunn, he's laid out from the neck breaker here. He's laid out, not moving. This could have had, this could be the neck breaker that's gone wrong by the, the, by the length of time Billy Gunn's laid out for. Um, but Owen decides he's going to hold him in place anyway. I'm going to keep him right here in this corner. Gets, you know, holds him by, I believe the ship. Not his legs, he's holding him by the legs. Um, <laughs> He stood over Gunn, legs either side of his, his motionless his motionless body. Oh, and he's facing the turnbuckle that York was ascending to, so his back is to the action in the ring. So many, many amateur mistakes being made by an absolute, you know, by seasoned pros here. Um, Yoko is about to hit the bonsai. He's about to, to come off the turnbuckle and plant his considerable 641 pounds onto... 641, yep. 641 pounds onto uh, Billy Gunn. But at this point partner Barkland comes comes to the rescue so he pulls Billy out of harm's way through Owen's legs and as Billy is being pulled through the legs at, you know not lightning pace at a kind of normal pace if you were stood there watching him you'd be like oh he's he's moving here Billy Gunn Someone, something's happening here but you know and Hart kind of just watches it happen nonetheless lets Billy Gunn grab both of his ankles and as Billy is being pulled through Owen's got his ankles grabbed he then dives forward in a kind of physics-defying fashion, <laughs> takes a full deck-first fall underneath. He's now in Billy Gunn's position. They've essentially swapped each other over. He then actually shuffles forward a few inches, so he's in yeah. prime position to take the bonsai drop. And then he waits a while for it to land as well. So yeah, instantly, he a couple just... of seconds pass, he just sits there. <laughs> he sits there face-first. He's watched the whole oh. thing transpire at fucking snail's pace. Um, Vince calls it... A double reverse at this point. I've got no idea that, what that is. Use <laughs> a bit more off fair with the NFL than I am. What's it? How is that a double reverse? Anyway, so, so this is after the bonsai drops. Julie squashed Owen, and uh, he just, it just looks really shit faked. It's awful. Um, yeah. Following this, Yoko Zuna is he's dumped on the outside he's straight away smartly he's been thrown out the ring he's, he's then for, I've got to call for a timeout because I've just flattened my tag team partner he's a pancake in the middle of the ring I've got to, I've got to call for a timeout it's ignored though the ref ignores it he clearly calling it everyone sees it we all see it on the camera the commentators are talking about it everyone sees it El me just ignores it and Yoko's here <laughs> world's most inconspicuous man eh <laughs> yeah he's there he's there running around giving it the old tea <laughs> he's, missed, he's missed Yokozuna walking around flailing his arms making the time he's missed I'm him I'm probably shouting something as well do you know what I mean he's probably I shouting yeah. he's, and Fuji's got the flag you know what I mean Fuji's got the and flag and waving his waving his tennis racket <laughs> this is probably the most difficult timeout call to miss in the history of timeout calls nevertheless <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, You've somehow, we'll let this manage to. to this time out. Oh. <laughs> the commentary team, he's ignored them all. <laughs> <laughs> so, the second time out of the match called that counted for nothing. Anyway, Hebner, meanwhile, instead of observing the rules of the match, counts the pin, eliminating Owen and Yokozuna. Uh, Sid, he then jumps in the ring and starts an early assault on Billy Gunn, and I'll bow out here for Lost Liam to, to bring us home in the Raw Bowl. 
So here we go then. So we're down to the last two teams in the uh, Raw Bowl. We've got the Smoking Guns and the Kid and Sid. Sid and Billy are in the ring. Sid hits a couple of punches and stomps to the future New Age Outlaw. But Earl Hebner doesn't allow this to carry on for too long. He's blowing his whistle excessively in the background <laughs> to try and stop this. And I'm getting WCW bell ringer vibes here. I'm tapping out. <laughs> it's unbearable. I'm on the edge. Um, but but it doesn't last for long. And as this is taking place, Vince uh, takes a moment to tell us that there'll be a Royal Rumble announcement tonight, fellas. But before we get any further news, we cut straight back into the ring and we get a nice double team spot here from the sitting kid. Sid whips Billy into the opposite corner. He follows this up by whipping the kid across the ring. And as the kid is approaching Billy, he hits a lovely looking drop kick to Billy's head. Billy then stumbles out of the corner and Sid hits a big clothesline that Billy sells superbly, spinning 360 in the air before dropping to the mat. Sid covers, gets a close two count, but this then this is kind of like the theme then for the remaining part of the match. Sid being on top with the uh, the smoking guns trying to get, trying to get back into this one every now and again. Uh, Billy attempts a comeback. He slips out of a, a chin lock from Sid, but as he bounces off the ropes and ducks underneath Sid's clothesline attempt, he isn't as fortunate bouncing back from the opposite ropes as Sid lands a big boot to the head. Uh, Sid follows this up with a massive leg drop. Gets some serious hang time here. Um, much more impressive than we get off. Hulk Hogan every other week. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe the height he got on this. Yeah, it was but insane, it was, wasn't it? It was only good enough for a, for a two count. Um, Vince and King are doing their very best here to, to continue shoehorning any American football puns in here. We've, we're getting mentions of trick plays, punting, punting, as if they're trying to get punting into this. Um, the red zone gets a mention, scoreboards at one point. And of course, there's no apparent need to because we are watching a wrestling match. Um Sid goes to pick Billy up back in the ring into a suplex position, but but Billy counters this. He rolls Sid into an inside cradle for a two count. Uh, Billy tries to get, again, back into it. He tries to get the momentum going, firstly blocking a punch from Sid. And as he's running the ropes once more, he runs straight this time into Sid's grasp mm -hmm. and a choke slam. Doesn't look as smooth as takers. And uh, as Sid is saluting the crowd, we cut to Mrs. Rawball once more. And we, we get the, we get more of uh, Lawler trying to, to lay some patter down here. But we don't <laughs> hang around for too long. We head back into the ring. And um, as, as Sid is landing a cheap shot to Bart, who's on the outside apron, um, Bart then comes in to retaliate. Earl Hebner tries his best to prevent this interference. And of course, this is what the Sid and Kid want all along. And as the referee is distracted, the Kid heads up to the top turnbuckle. And as Sid is holding Billy uh, in the ring, we get a little bit of noise from the crowd. And mm. in the background, Razor Ramon is heading back out from the, uh, the back. He's coming back down to the ring. He's clearly unhappy. He climbs the apron. He shoves the Kid from the top turnbuckle. He lands on top of Sid. Billy ducks out of the way. Billy then rolls Sid up, and as uh, Earl Hebner is counting the pin, Bart is holding onto the kid to prevent the uh, to prevent breaking the pinfall, and Earl counts the one, two, three. And in the background, Vince is going off. He's screaming, "Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown!" <laughs> and there we have it, gentlemen. The Smoking Guns have won the first ever Raw Bowl. What a load of gubbins! <laughs> <laughs> Vince might have been on the uh, the hundreds of one shot, might he? You never know. <laughs> oh yeah. To be fair, that that's the only reason he can he, he's reaching this decibel level. It was it was nuclear. It was nuclear for Vince. So following the raw ball, 
the fiasco that was the Robo. We we zip over to Doc Hendricks. What normally would be the slam jam segment of the show, but today it's called the halftime report. Um, the merciful Doc Hendricks starts out by telling us that this one will be over soon, and then sets a two-minute timer ticking. Thanks, Doc. I always liked you. Is <laughs> Craig Pittman turned up? <laughs> did I do the? Uh, did I, wouldn't did I? He did it probably. That's great. Right. Okay. I'll do it. Again. Leave it in. I'll leave it in with Craig Pittman. That's Jimmy great. Hart, will you be my manager? <laughs> <laughs> Will you manage me, Jimmy Hart? <laughs> Doc's got some. He's got some big news concerning the next pay per view, which, as has been alluded to earlier, is the Royal Rumble. Of course, uh, the title, amongst other things, will be on the line with Bret Hart taking on the, the busiest man in the WWF. That is, of course, the Undertaker. <laughs> in one of his many feuds that he's currently uh, got, got going at the minute and Doc then signs off we're at the end we are at the end quickly here I'm loving this from Doc Hendricks <laughs> he, he signs off by giving us a breakdown of the rules of the Royal Rumble itself and before this started I was I was pretty confident on the rules going in <laughs> to this halftime report but I come out of it feeling a bit confused after, after <laughs> Doc confuscates everything by phrasing it in the context of American football has it that's true <laughs> I was no longer sure like, what 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 the Royal Rumble was all about. <laughs> what an absolute hot mess! What are they doing here? What are they doing here? They just can't leave it alone, can no, they? they can't. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that. Flogging Let's a dead horse. <laughs> oh, funny. Next up, we've got a replay of the Arkansas Hogpen match from In Your House 5 Seasons Beatings for all of those who didn't buy the pay-per-view, which, as we know, was most people. So it's uh, HOG versus H times 3 as Henry Godwin takes on the aristocratic Hunter Hearst Helmsley. We've already covered this, though, in our In Your House 5 special. So if you haven't already, go and give that a listen for the full rundown and our take. Back to 96, and we've got King Mabel taking on the fellow with the fingerless glove, Diesel. Out first, accompanied by Sir Mo, and being carried to the ring on his royal palaquin, is King Mabel. And who's carrying it? It's only bloody Matt and Jeff Hardy again. Plus two of the lads, but I couldn't work out who they were. Um, it wasn't just Matt and Jeff doing it, that would be insane. Je- Jeff was struggling here, wasn't he? It's <laughs> Jeff- second goal, to be fair. He's, he's unfair. <laughs> Rather than carry it again. There was a grimace from Jeff. I mean, Jeff was visibly straying under the weight. And, and, and as I say, I don't think there, there was any gym acting involved in that at all. It looked <laughs> painful. Um, Diesel's out next, sauntering his way to the ring, high-fiving crowd members, but only the ones that have bought his merch. <laughs> in absolute mercenary twat. <laughs> King's not paying attention, though, as he asks Raw Ball Queen Ashley Allen if she has any New Year's resolutions, to which she replies that, as Queen, she needs to find herself a man for the New Year. King's eyes light up at this, and he says, you don't have to look very far, as Vince asks him to give him a break. In the ring, and Mabel gets blindsided by uber-heeled Diesel. Definitely seen the start of the Attitude Era groundwork for kind of face-who-does-heelish-things here, aren't we? This is starting to be the template. Anyway, Mabel's whipped into the ropes, eats a Diesel big boot, and Big Daddy Cool picks up the win in eight seconds flat. Not content with squashing King Mabel, though, Diesel drags in poor Sir Mo right in the centre of the ring, and the Knight of the Realm gets planted with a jackknife powerbomb as Vince proclaims, Mo doesn't want any Mo. Oh, Vince, mate, stop it tonight. Just give it a, give it a rest. <laughs> 
Diesel's music hits, he poses in the ring for some sweet golden shower pyro and then mugs it to the crowd. Vince tells us then that Diesel's surveying the crowd for people with black gloves and the camera shows us a middle-aged woman with no teeth proudly hoisting a pleather-gloved hand into the air. If you had to explain the last three minutes of what's just happened to a non-wrestling fan, you would sound like a mentalist. Like, what is, what's this? You're right, though. He was only high-fiving people who uh, had oh, his merch. Completely. Vince has confirmed. Yeah, he's completely confirmed, yeah. He's a total mercenary. Big Daddy Cool then climbs down to the announce table as Lawler beckons him over for an interview. He extends a hand to King, but instead of shaking it, he mugs King off and sweeps his hair back instead. What a card, eh? Fucking hell. Diesel then puts his hand out and steals away the raw ball queen, Ashley, from King. as She accompanies him to the back, and Vince toe-curlingly proclaims, To the victor goes the spoils! And Diesel's leaving with the goods! (laughs) (laughs) The goods? The goods, come on, Vince. It's awful. The goods. This is all going on while King is apoplectic and imploring McMahon to do something! Backstage, we go for a Lombardi trophy presentation. It was nice of them to let a homeless man present the trophy, wasn't it? It's such a... <laughs> it's <laughs> the smoking guns who won the Raw Bowl. They're getting the trophy, right? And nope, it's obviously not the one from the Super Bowl. It's a naff trophy with pictures of the Brooklyn brawler, real name Steve Lombardi, presented to them by the man himself. The lads aren't happy with this and smash the trophy in front of him, which is ungrateful, to be honest, causing the Brooklyn brawler to lose his shit, but he's quickly subdued by the guns and Ahmed Johnson in an act of sheer bullying. The brawler is pinned down by Johnson while the lads throw the contents of the nearby cooler box over him. Conveniently enough, the cooler box contains the show sponsor Lipton Iced Teas, Lipton Brisk Iced Tea. So Vince can say, it's a Lipton Brisk Tea Bath. And the guns can say in tandem, have a Lipton Brisk on us. And then we can head back the ring and pretend none of this ever happened. Jesus. Very cool cool ended to that particular segment. (laughs) Okay, so we're into the last two minutes of this week's episode of Raw and Vincent King, they do the best to plug the upcoming Royal Rumble and start to go through some of the participants to line up uh, that are going to take part. So we, we know we've, we've got Diesel, Owen Haas, the British Bulldog, Dory Funk Jr., Savio Vega, King Mabel, Bam Bam Bigelow, Barry Horowitz, Yoko Zuna, Tatanka and... Big Van Vader, we're finally going to see the big man in the WWF. He's jumped shit from WCW, he's got all the necessary paperwork signed off, and he's going to take part in the Rumble. And uh, what, a, what a montage to, to introduce him to us as well. Um, I thought this was really well put together from whoever did it. So we need, we're gonna, we need to see Vader in the gym, don't we? We want to see him, want to see him training, we want to see him hitting some bags, lifting some weights. A lot of stuff you need to see, but make sure, make sure you're wearing your mask to the gym. <laughs> Big fan. We don't want you going maskless in that gym. That would look weird. And then the gym footage, it's kind of spliced with some strange shots of Vader in his full kit in the field. So when he goes to the gym, he's wearing his normal normal gear for training. Gear, yeah. And then when he goes to this random field, in the middle of nowhere, he puts his full Vader kit on. Spandex. Full spandex. Still got the mask, obviously, because that God. never comes off. And he's got his full spandex on. <laughs> full in rig attire and it transpires that this field where there is no signs of civilization for miles around is where Vader has rigged up his trampoline <laughs> <laughs> and, 
yeah, he has a good moonsault. Yeah, yeah, he's having a he's having a good old time bouncing around, and like you said, he even does a, does a moonsault in there. <laughs> but yeah, what, what a what a what a big coup for Vincent and Gang. Can't wait to see theatre in action. Oh, incredible! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! <laughs> anyway, from that, uh, Vince leads us through the uh, the schedule for next week's Raw, um, and apparently we're going to get another. Uh, we're going to get another rerun from In Your House, fellas. And this time they're going to they're going to show us the uh, the main events: Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog. And if you can remember rightly, that was about twenty minutes in length. So <laughs> well, it's, it's that, that's that half your program gone, fellas. So <laughs> can't wait for next week's roll. <laughs> what a joke! What are they doing here? What are they doing? Anyway, uh, if things couldn't get any worse. We, uh, we finish off Raw this week with uh, Billionaire Ted's wrestling war room. <laughs> Deary me. So, me indeed. So what did you think of this, fellas, before I, before I give you my, uh, my bit about it? I've just gone with the absolute sheer brass gonads of the man with hundreds of millions in the bank. Probably tens of millions, if not more. Definitely tens, if not hundreds <laughs> by this point. And he's, you know, crying. It's not enough to compete with the might of Billionaire Ted. I'm sorry, but the most put every wrestling promotion in America out of business at this point in time, apart from, you know, the odd one or two. <laughs> he's crying about a bit of competition. This is pathetic. The thing that got me was just how, how sort of like, how half-arsed the like, piss takes were. Like, the natural man is not even particularly offensive. It's someone who looks, you know, not as big, obviously, but not, not too dissimilar to Macho Man. And he's just, but with no nachos or anything, anyway, like, it's just, it's what a half-baked yeah. idea. Like, yeah. you're going to stick the knife in, stick the knife in, you know what I mean? Like, make, a, you know, have a go at his bald patch or something, but no, nothing. It's just, I think it's one just... of the things they said for him as well was like, um, do you know when, when the pitching to the guy pitching the idea is, why don't we try doing some, you know, yeah, high-flying yeah. moves or whatever, <laughs> the cuts match about it, and he's like, no. And he's like, no, I can't do that. So yeah, you just do it every week. flying elbow every, all the time. Every single week. <laughs> yeah. That's literally your finisher. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, let's get through this. Um, <laughs> so basically, uh, we, we've got this segment right at the end of Raw. It's a comedy sketch uh, of, of the WCW. Not in the way they were intended. Though, yeah, he uses the term loosely there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very loosely. <laughs> but we've got we've got a room full of uh, actors who are, are playing the part of WCW executives discussing how they can make WCW more a, more of an entertaining program for the fans to watch. Anyway, um, they've got they've got the Huckster and they've got the uh, the Nacho Man as as we, we've heard of. Uh, they're, they're sat around this table and they're they're all they're all ears. They're, they're trying to listen to these suggestions of of how they can make the show more entertaining. Anyway, the shown footage because we know WCW likes to you know, show footage. I thought that was kind of a little bit funny. Uh, but anyway, the footage, <laughs> they, they go through a couple of the uh, the finishing moves from superstars on the uh, on the Raw roster. So we get the Razor's Edge, we get the Pearl River Plunge, and we get the Jackknife Powerbomb. And, I mean, the irony here is obviously Diesel and Ramon jump ship not too far down know, the line either. So Billionaire Ted obviously let what he saw in this highlight. Yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> Great idea. Did some his, his scouting reports come straight from the uh, the wrestling uh, the wrestling war room? But uh, so so anyway, we as you've as we know, we the, the discussion about what what Huckster and Natural Man can do in this, this aerial moves kind of suggestion and everything. And anyway, th- th- this ends with uh, the executives asking the t- the two uh, the two parody characters what they can do. And obviously they both get up and they start dancing and they start saluting, you know, like Hogan with his, his ear cup kind of thing. Um, but what I did like about this, I mean, the only thing I liked about this was at the very end of the segment, um, you, you obviously got the narrator talking over it and uh, 
it, it led it left us with this genius line was you can't teach an old dog new tricks the WWF on top of the hill not over it and nice. that was the only decent part of that all is this line. that is good and line it, and, and it, it's interesting to see a bit of retaliation from the WWF because they have been getting their asses kicked yeah. for you know the past few months but how about lads instead of making shit comedy sketches get some fucking decent wrestling on your wrestling <laughs> exactly program exactly correct <laughs> and we're out <laughs> So that was the January 1st, 1996 edition of Monday Night Raw. But what were our ratings, builders and killers? Well, my builders are... Bill number one. The usual suspects all performed as well as they could, given the circumstances, I thought. Smoking Guns, Jim Cornette, Owen, 123Kid, I thought they were all solid in action. Bill number two. I was genuinely surprised at the outcome of the squash match. It's always entertaining to see young Hardy boys carrying King Mabel on his palaquin to boot. And build number three, I'm going to give him credit for trying something new and really leaning into the gimmick. If the match had been better thought out, it could have been a cheesy but entertaining sort of change of pace. Possibly. Liam, how about you? What were your raw ratings builders? Um, slim pickings this week on the, uh, the builders list. Um... Number one, though, clearly were the smoking guns. Um, we've we've not seen them for a long, long period of time, despite being the tag team champions. Um, but they did put on an entertaining show. Both Bart and Billy are very good in the ring. Would love to see them again. As I say, they are tag team champions, so you, you'd expect them to be more, you know, featured more on the uh, on the program. But uh, that's not been the case recently, so we probably won't see them now for six weeks. But <laughs> if they were on next week, I'd be definitely tuning in to see them. So. Definitely number one. Number two, I'm going to put uh, Vader on there. I don't think, uh, obviously, the, the the workout video was comedy, <laughs> but uh, but finally we get we get a good glimpse of uh, of Vader, hopefully in action over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, teeing up to this appearance in the Royal Rumble. Um, when I did watch WWF around this time, my memory of Vader isn't great, so it would be good mm-hmm. to obviously have a look at you know what he's like in action. Um, he looks. Pretty athletic in his uh, in his video. If we can go off the trampoline effort, so <laughs> can't wait for that. And uh, builder number three, I thought this. Uh, I mean, again, I was I was scraping the barrel, you know, lots here. But uh, I thought the last line of the uh, the wrestling war room segment about uh, <laughs> yeah. the WWF being on top of the hill, not over. I thought that was pretty good. Cracking stuff. And Jim, same question to you. What were your raw ratings builders? And then we've got two of the same builders here. I've gone. Builder number one is the is the continuation of, of, of the push of the smoking guns. So I'm just uh, enjoying watching both of these guys so far. So, you know, keep that one going, lads. Uh, builder number two, it's Big Van Vader. He should help pick things up on this abysmal programme. And <laughs> uh, builder number three is is slightly slight deviation from Liam's. It's Doc Hendricks' two-minute timer. Can we make this a regular thing, please? <laughs> Lovely stuff. Over to the killers, and my killers are... Kill number one, all the puns. Don't need to say anything else. Kill number two, the absurdity of the Raw Bowls rules. One, the make physical contact thing was a joke. 
handshake and move on if you're a tag team. And two, the timeout was only used once and was ignored by Razor without consequence. Then subsequent timeouts were ignored by Earl Hebner altogether and therefore never used. What was the point? And kill number three, King being creepy with the raw ball queen and the subsequent Diesel's leaving with the goods and to the winner goes the spoil shite. Oh man, that has not aged well. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Go on, Vince. <laughs> Leo, what were your raw ratings killers? Killers list at the very top, the raw ball. Um why <laughs> why entirety. do it? Why do it? Um no there's no relevance to football whatsoever. Apart from the plethora of football puns we got chew on throughout the whole show, that was literally all it was in here for. Um, and if if you are going to do it, average your main event. Why is it the curtain raiser? What are they doing? Yeah, the tag team belts weren't even on the line either. So there's no, you know, there's no uh, reward for, for for you know the the, the the tag team that were were to win this match anyway. So no, everybody it, lost. Yeah, shit, <laughs> rubbish. Don't want to see it again. Um, Killer number two in your house repeats. What are they doing? <laughs> What are they doing here? This is like two weeks after season's beatings. Um, you've got 10 minutes of, of hog pen action uh, filling your show. When you're getting trounced in the ratings, you cannot just be going back to repeats of your, your pay-per-views. And killer number three, Diesel v Mabel. Uh, Doc's half-time report was longer. Um, Mabel won King of the Ring, so this absolutely buries Mabel here because he was, he was beaten in 40 seconds. Um, again, no idea, no idea. The, the booking is all over the place at the moment. I'm right. It's 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 shoddy. And Jim, what were your raw ratings killers? This is uh, it's, it's uncanny. This somewhat. We've got we had two of the two of the three builders with the same Liam, and now we've got identical killers as well. So uh, <laughs> I kick it off for number one, the raw ball. Hated it. <laughs> Killer number two. It's the squashing of King Mabel, as we've said, the eight second match. Spent weeks trying to build Mabel. It was a force, and now he's, you know, what, what, where, where is this leaving? He's like he got he got the literal burial from the Undertaker <laughs> and the, the pay per view, and now he, he's fucking. He got the metaphorical burial tonight, didn't he? And, and also, it's like you know, getting beaten absolute, you know, no time at all by a big boot. Given that he had struggles with Undertaker, the Undertaker had struggles with him at the pay per view. It's like yeah. diminishes Undertaker, doesn't it? Undermines it the idea that more contenders any good because he's just fucking. Fanny on for ages, 20 minutes or so, with this guy who just gets beaten by a kick in the face. Brian Walsh would have lasted longer. Pathetic. <laughs> and killer number three is, was the seriously nothing they could have done instead of showing a replay of the fucking hog pen match. They've got tons of wrestlers and we haven't seen Marty Jannetty in weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, WWF, sort it out. So that was Raw, but what about Nitro? Let's head over to the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia to find out. Bischoff, he's coming in hot to kick us off. The best wrestling programme anywhere in the world is back live, so he tells us. <laughs> um, 
and we get a quick recap of the events from Starcade, the, the pay-per-view that, that, that preceded this this broadcast of Nitro. Um, Bish tells us that just in case we have been on vacation in a third world country oh. and didn't hear the news, oh. Ric Flair is is now the uh, is now the uh, WCW champion. But judging from the dismal Starcade buy rate, there must have been a a monster tourism boom in the third world. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I get bigger laughs there to be honest <laughs> I liked it <laughs> you, can... you can't win them all <laughs> like I said Fred's the new champ and he's uh, he's defended it straight away guess guess who he's up against lads big train Bart <laughs> Pez the dispenser Watley <laughs> dirty dick Slater <laughs> Super Assassin 2. <laughs> You're wrong on all of those counts. It's only bloody old Gorgon. Yeah. The first day back from his suspension, he's straight in with a chance to win the the the, 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 the notorious big gold belt. Um, I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but I think the lads running this programme know a thing or two about harsh discipline, don't they? A six-day suspension that, that coincided with Christmas and New Year, followed by an immediate <laughs> title shot on return. I mean... Scandalous. I hope they never ended up any fucking parole boards or anything. They've been releasing murderers after a couple of weeks. <laughs> this is absolutely terrible. First day back from a six-day suspension. There you have a title shot. Go on. Mongo reckons Hogan's going to win. Of course he does. Heated doesn't. And then we head to the ring to see a vengeance-seeking macho man take on the man who cost him the title at Starcade. None other than Randy, I mean Arn Anderson. <laughs> So, on paper here, we've got Azure Curtain Razor for Nitro in 1996. It looks like an absolute slobber knocker. We've got the Battery Double A uh, taking on Macho Man Randy Savage. Comms tell us straight away that Savage has apparently demanded a match against Double A because of the interference in the main event at Starcade that led him to dropping the title. Savage Makes making sense. the matches now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, mates of, mates of Hogan, so does what yeah, he wants, I, guess, I think. I guess you have that power. Um, so... We kick off this first one, this first contest, then Double A leads the, the, this one off with a, a barrage of blows and stomps before Savage manages to toss Double A out of the ring. Straight away here, Eric Bischoff gets a cheeky dig in at the competition, calling the Raw Bowl the Toilet Bowl before giving away the result of the match and reminding us that WCW is live. What a shit house! but I love that. I absolutely love that. The Toilet Bowl, what a, an apt name for the gubbins that we've just sat through. <laughs> Anyway, back to the action. <laughs> Mongo said something shit as well. I don't know if you picked it up, but uh, I, it was rubbish. Yeah, I, he, he tried to come back with like a funny line and like yeah. said something and nof- nothing. Like he just got brushed over straight away. He said, "My am I right?" Well, I'm just. Saying. <laughs> it's exactly like that. <laughs> exactly like that one. <laughs> Hazel, get the lads. Hazel, crack them up. It's going to be a long one, this. Hazel, have lost Liam in stitches. <laughs> I've already gone. 
Right, back in the ring, Double A attempts a sunset flip, but Macho refuses to budge here. He hits a big punch to Arn's bonds. Savage then follows this sort of an inverted atomic drop to the groin before climbing the ropes and landing a double axe handle that floors Anderson once more. And this leads to a close two count early on. Lightning start here from Macho, clearly upset from the shenanigans that took place at Starcade. Mongo chips in here. He says he's sick of all the interference in the contest featuring a member of the Horsemen, which Heenan replies with... I'll do something about it. And <laughs> it got me thinking, Mongo did try to do something about it when he, he got his mate Will Perry in the other week and we all know how much of a farce that was. So I think you should keep your mouth shut here, Mongo, because, uh, you know, that, that was diabolical what Will Perry was trying to do the other week. <laughs> Savage is in the corner. He's applying a chokehold to the battery before a, a snide eye poke from Double A stops Savage in his tracks and Arn follows this up with a fantastic hammerlock slam which the crowd respond to by clapping in appreciation he literally he, he makes you know the basics look so elegant mm, you know yeah, spine really busters does. hammerlock slams here and, the, and the, the crowd love this Arn then like a dog with a bone continues to target the arm of Savage he lands some big stomps to this elbow followed by hooking Macho's injured elbow behind his back and hitting a scoop slam that forces Savage to drop his body weight onto this injured elbow the match then spills to the outside where Savage is able to stop Anderson's momentum briefly by slamming him into the guardrail before both wrestlers head back into the ring. Double A continues this onslaught. He targets the injured arm. I mean, how how long does this arm have to be injured for Savage before he calls it, you know, you know, a bit, <laughs> bit of time off? Months on it. <laughs> it's been like eight weeks Ages, now, isn't it? Yeah. He's strapping this well, I mean, it wasn't injured at one point according to Hogan and now it, it is injured and <laughs> it's been targeted, so you know, who knows, who knows? People we've lost it, haven't we? <laughs> Double A continues to target the injured arm of Savage by landing a knee drop to the elbow before dragging Savage into the corner uh, and slamming Macho's injured arm against the ring post. A chicken wing arm bar follows as Arn slows the pace right down, giving the crowd the impression that he's more satisfied with injuring Savage rather than getting the victory. Savage attempts a comeback with some punches that knock Arn into the corner, but Macho can't take advantage here and recoils, holding his injured elbow, and then Arn goes on the front foot. He whips Savage into the opposite corner and charges across like a steam train. Savage, however, gets the boot up not once, but twice to foil Arn. Savage then, this time, charges out of the corner, but Double A cleverly ducks this charge and lands a lovely-looking DDT that, again, the crowd pop big time for, like it's a stone-cold stunner. Again... Appreciating the basics, he just makes this look so aesthetically pleasing mm. for everyone. It was classic, to be fair. In the crowd. Yeah, yeah, it was so lovely, wasn't it? it yeah. Again, just basic moves, spine busters galore, just makes him look so effortless. And then salutes the crowd before covering Macho, and as the referee is counting the pin, Savage manages to hook his legs on the bottom rope to stop the count. Heenan reminds the viewers here of the number of former heavyweight champions Nitro has on show this week in another underhanded cheap shot towards a competition. You can't help themselves here. But back in the ring, Anderson lines Savage up for another DDT, but Savage counters the move this time and pushes double A into the referee who's knocked to the mat. Why is it so easy to injure a referee, by the way? This was like a... I got, I got flashes of Paul Alcock here with Decanio. Like, <laughs> Burley touches him. And he, he just went down in stages, absolute heart of a kitten here. He was, he was knocked out for a couple of moments, wasn't he? It's, it's bonkers, isn't it? Absolute bonkers. Anyway, with the referee down, Double A pulls some concealed brass knocks out of his trunks 
But before he can land the killer blow, Savage hits Anderson, knocking him to the mat before he goes over to pick up the nooks for himself. Savage then clocks double A over the bonds with the nooks to give him a taste of his own medicine before, I don't know why, carefully placing them back down double A's trunks. Surely he just chucks them out the ring, but no, he went back down the trunks and then the referee, who has miraculously come back to life, counts the one, two, three. Pillman and then surprisingly Benoit sprint down from the back but Savage has seen this this before and he scarpers out the rink. I thought I thought to be fair I thought this was a a good opener if if you look at you know mm-hmm. if you look at what what's usually the the curtain raiser for for, for Nitro and Raw I thought it thought it was pretty good pretty entertaining tempo of the match was decent and again it can it can lead to further further things down the line I thought they thought they both put on a pretty good show here impressed Next up, we've got the day I feared would never come. <laughs> Months in the making, we've had tease after tease after heartbreaking tease. We've stared down the ignominy, nay, the injustice of it happening on the other show. And we've had to endure promos and trailers telling us to look at what we could have won. We've been promised it on the card, only for it to be cruelly snatched away for a promo stunt. We have suffered. But now, at long last, we're going to see Lord Stephen Regal, one half of the Blue Bloods, in wrestling action live and in person here on WCW Monday Nitro and right now on the Monday Night Scores. And better still, he's in singles action. He's here to take on one quarter of the four horsemen, Chris Benoit. Let's get into it at long last. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Lord Stephen Regal's fanfare music hits first and before he arrives at the top of the ramp and before I dare to believe this is actually going to happen and Nitro isn't going to once again snatch defeat from the jaws of Regalry Eric Bischoff on comms fires a shot across the bows of the good ship Raw telling us that this is where the biggest boys play I still don't think that's quite the dunk you think it is Eric make no mistake (laughs) about it he says it doesn't get any bigger it doesn't get any better and forget about that Raw ball nonsense smoking guns worn it was born to begin with I mean he's not wrong is he no out first is Regal accompanied to the ring by Jeeves both immaculately turned out in their mock lords robes and lace bibs Jeeves even has a court wig on as the lads make their way to the ring and the lights come up Mongo says that (laughs) Mongo says that this is going to be the Canadian crippler versus the man from Great Britain it's not great (laughs) It's not quite the same, that is it, Mongo. It's not quite as intimidating, but all right. But he goes on and he says, this is going to be Canada succeeding from Great Britain, my friend. I think he means seceding from Great Britain there, Mongo. You absolute pillock. Not succeeding, seceding, breaking away that. from. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't mean that. <laughs> Nah, no, no way. There's no way he means that. I mean, fucking hell. Mongo continues, there ain't going to be a Commonwealth after this match is over. Does he think the Commonwealth is the UK and Canada? Is that, is that what he, <laughs> and he thinks? That somehow, anyway. Regal derobes as Benoit's music hits and Heenan's backing the Canadian as he's in a little better condition and is, after all, a horseman. Fair enough, Bobby. Solid logic. Off we go then. 
with more heel-on-heel action than a drunken tap-dancing dance-off, and Regal's in command straight away with some no-nonsense, old-school, ground-em-and-hurt-em, map-based submission hold excellence. He starts with a risk-lock takedown, then pins Benoit's forearm to the mat with his knee, looks grimy, dirty and painful, and gets a one-count as his shoulders meet the mat for a second. Benoit springs up though, but is met by three successive headbutts from Regal. They don't do the job though, and Benoit forces his lordship to the mat by overpowering him explosively, double wrist lock still engaged. He follows up by slamming the grounded Regal's head into the mat multiple times as the ref starts counting to get him to break it up or risk a DQ. Both men recover, and we get a shot of baseball legend Hank Aaron in the crowd. Mongo marvels at his 785 career home runs, and rightfully so, but for Bobby Heenan quips, if you'd listen to me, you'd have hit 800. Bloody brilliant stuff from Heenan there. Great stuff. Regal fends off some Benoit offence before clamping him in a front face lock, but Benoit manages to reverse it into a wrist lock. Again, just lovely gritty stuff here, all map-based, and all looking painful and grindy and... Ah, great. Regal's drop toe hold, takedown, and subsequent forearm clubs to the face of the grounded Benoit are followed up by a brutal looking grounded cross face. Some nasty European uppercuts from Regal, what else? Find their mark, and Benoit's in trouble in the corner. He needs to get out of this somehow, as the great British bruiser is absolutely lamping him in the corner with some powerful strikes that look perilously close to being closed fists, and the ref is rightly admonishing him to stop and get Benoit out of the corner. He finally listens, attempts an Irish whip to the other side, but Benoit reverses. Both men miss with a clothesline, and Benoit finally capitalises after ducking by grabbing Regal from behind and delivering a trademark belly-to-back suplex to land a significant blow on the man from Blighty for the first time. A chop and some strikes from Benoit land as he tries to capitalise again, but the wily Regal's wise to it. It stops the Canadian's progress with a side headlock, wrist lock, butterfly suplex combination that looked as slick as anything we've seen from his opponent tonight so far. It gets a long two count, which Regal's livid about, and he immediately tries again with the same result. A regal hand slams the mat in frustration and he yanks Benoit's head back to go and give it a third attempt, but to no avail. That gives Benoit enough time to recharge a little and then he lands a stiff-looking clothesline to give Regal a taste of his own roughhousing medicine. Some rough blows from both lads and then Benoit's belly-to-back lift places Regal on the top turnbuckle with his back facing the ring. One big blow from Regal sends his opponent flying down to the mat for a big back bump. But then, as he tries to clamber back down, Benoit's up in a flash, gets Regal onto his shoulders and lands him with a big electric chair. Has the tide now turned in favour of Benoit? Looking to press on the advantage and to put this one away, the Canadian heads up top as he looks for the diving headbutt. Up he goes and down he comes, but nobody's home as Regal has rolled away from danger, just as Benoit took flight. Both lads down, but Regal's up first, and he plants some more rough-looking forearms onto the prone Canadian. Regal then sets up the pile driver, Benoit's legs flailing in the air in a seemingly futile attempt to find a way out the move. But he does. He reverses it by tipping Regal back over, cracking strength from both lads, and he's ready to deliver the pile driver himself. I mean, bollocks would never be a real reversal. Look ridiculous, but look fantastic. And then now Regal now flails his arms helplessly before Benoit leaps up and plants him with a tombstone. Ever the pro, Regal rolls out the ring to avoid the pin. And Benoit slingshots himself to the outside but misses with the subsequent crossbody and lands hard on the thin padding, barely cushioning the concrete surrounding the ring to an audible awe from the crowd. 
Regal resets the count by sliding in and out of the ring, rolls Benoit back inside, goes in for the cover, grabs the tights, and gets the three. The ringside camera catches Regal as he's sitting on the apron, torso in the ring, and receives an impromptu promo as Regal holds up four fingers to the camera and says, Four horsemen, they were never really a match for me. They should never even try. You totally agree, Stevie, lad. After a replay, we see that Benoit has not left the ring, but has been joined by Arn Anderson and Flying Brian Pillman, two of his four horsemen stable mates. See what I did there? And Mean Gene Mike in hand. <laughs> Oakland, Mike and Hand. <laughs> oh, that was a joke. That was a joke. I thought it was the stable, mate. No, that was, not, that was just the... Good, yeah, that, that was, was just shocking. the hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> that was shocking. I'll change it. No, keep it in, keep it in. Just leave, 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 leave all this in, I think. Okay, fine. <laughs> and Mean Gene's going to get a word with the lads. Oakland starts by, very riskily in my opinion, chastising Benoit for partying too hard for New Year's, doing so with an apparent 25-year prior tribute to Chris Jericho saying that he maybe had a little too much of the bubbly which is just fantastic from Gene rather than knocking his block off Pillman seems to agree with Gene though and chastises Benoit for losing and making the horseman look bad saying Benoit was handpicked and shouldn't be languishing in mediocrity Mean Gene continues to stir the pot and asks Benoit if he's going to take such criticism from a fellow horseman. All right, Gene, you started with your, your bubbly insinuation. You know what I mean? Like, you're just answering your question, mate. <laughs> Benoit says that the only way anyone can beat him is through sheer luck. Well, we've just had that and so it wasn't really a luck that you just lost to Regal, but okay, fine. Pillman doesn't have it and continues to have a go at him and then turns to question the battery too. On oh, thin ice here, Brian, thin ice. But despite being told by Gene that we haven't got much time left... Uh, as he's asked to respond, Consumer Pro Arn Anderson delivers a simple, silky promo telling Pillman to stop starting fires like the attacks on Paul Orndorff and the Dungeon of Doom, and instead focusing on their one key job, protecting the world title belt. Gene goes to send us to a break, and as he does, down the gangway come Dungeon members, Taskmaster, the Zebrodiac, and Jimmy Art, who's trying to reason with the other two and stop him from taking on the horseman here. Jimmy's efforts are falling short, but he beckons to the entranceway, where the giant arrives to restrain the other two wallies, saying, No, not yet. And as he does uh, as, he, as he does so, before dragging them to the back into the locker room as we head to a break. There's always somebody in this dungeon of doom, isn't it, who's trying to stop somebody else getting to <laughs> yeah. like, There's always somebody trying yeah. to bring somebody back. Never Today, on the same page. Never, never. never. Today it's the unstoppable, out of control, cannot be contained, terrifying force that is the giant. <laughs> He's decided we've got to wear on the side of course. Though, lads. <laughs> Don't want to get to a fight with these horsemen yet. So following this, we've got the Super Assassins, both one and two, in action here against <laughs> the disintegrating friends of Lex Luger and Sting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's great to see the, the Super Assassins in action, I have to say. I haven't seen them since the uh, the 60-man Battle Royal extravaganza, but after this performance, I think I have to say I uh, I wouldn't be hiring them if I wanted anybody taken out anytime <laughs> soon, I don't think. <laughs> the match itself, it wasn't much to write home about, I thought. Um, this whole Sting, Luger, falling out angle, no longer best friends, whatever. It seems to be running longer than anyone. Uh, neither two with comes... <laughs> relentlessly teasing this imminent um, fallout throughout the match. But once again, though, 
I've landed a segment of the programme where the most entertaining thing that happens was thanks to a came via a hijacking from Sergeant Craig Pittman. <laughs> God. So the Pitbull, while the match is going on here, of course, he's still trying to find himself a manager. And he's gotten that desperate, he's now asking Mongo to bail him out. <laughs> no. So Mongo... He's never been a manager in his life, Craig. He's only been a commentator for four months and he's shite at that. What makes you think? What makes you think he'd be decent at being a manager? He, he hasn't tried the Colonel. He hasn't tried the Diamond Doll, Taskmaster, Shelly. There's loads of managers knocking about here. So what the fuck's he doing? Jeeves. 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 Didn't bother with Jeeves. What's he doing? Goes straight to Mongo. Well, not going straight to Mongo. What, third, third down the line after Jimmy Arts and, and Hayden turned him down? But that's Mongo now. Anyway, just obviously we've ridiculed these segments previously and, and deservedly so but just 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 get your head around what happens here so <laughs> he, he turns up at the comms desk Pittman here and he just stands there <laughs> so they cut to a split screen as Bischoff is frantically asking someone to provide Pittman with a mic so we'll try to create this idea that you know he's just he's, he's literally hijacking the program so Bischoff's going can, can, can we get this guy a mic can we get this guy a mic well, well Pittman he's just stood there in silence I'm just going to bring your own fucking mic Pittman <laughs> if you're going to insist upon asking someone a manager during a live broadcast get mic'd up first this is outrageous <laughs> Pittman he wants Mongo to be his manager because he's making the transition from amateur wrestler to pro and Mongo was a good American football player. <laughs> that's, that's the reason he gives why he wants him to yeah, be his manager. No, that's, that's exactly Sa- right. Sound rationale. How are those two things linked? How are those two things linked? It's um, ridiculous. He could pull anyone in here, couldn't he? From any walk of life. I've got Chris here. He knows fuck all about wrestling, but he's one of the best plumbers I've ever met. <laughs> he's fucking quality plumber. So I want him to be my manager here in WCW. Soul to the earth, good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly no prior experience needed. So, so Pittman, he makes this pitch to Mongo. And then Mongo, Mongo turns him down. Mongo, he finally found it, but he turned him down. Mongo turns him down. I couldn't believe it. Offhand. I couldn't believe it, just turns him down. No, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and, you know, you wouldn't, would you? But still... Why, why, why is this having to play out? But after turning him down, right, Mongo then gives Pittman, he gives him some advice, a bit like a manager would do, gives him some kind of pointers. And, and Mongo says, just like I told you before, before going into what the advice is, so you've already had this conversation in the back of you, lads. We've got the fucking super assassins on here for the first time ever. And you're repackaging advice. You're repackaging a conversation that you've already had with Pittman to give him some old advice that you've already given. Just like I told you before, you've got to systematically take these guys out. One at a time, you work your way to the top. That is the advice of Steve Mongo McMichael. Fucking stellar stuff. Beat everyone. Beat everyone and you'll, you'll do all right. Have some singles matches. Win them. Continue to win him, and you'll end up getting a title shot. That was his advice. What like, a manager. What a manager he would have been. <laughs> um, Dodge a bullet there, Pittman. <laughs> well, it's, he doesn't think so, because he gives an emphatic, Roger that. <laughs> and then he fucks off, so he clearly likes Mongo's plan. He had, he had a thought, yeah, I better beat everyone. But he didn't think it the first time either, when he had that conversation in the back. Oh, Christ. Absolutely laughable. What a debacle. Absolutely How was this segment become a recurring segment oh, you know what I mean honest to god yeah how, how have you looked how have you looked at like the first time he's come out Pittman and thought this is good let's let's carry on with this it's been <laughs> exactly. car crash after car crash 
Um, I think Bobby Heenan though has kind of twigged this as well that it's you know <laughs> utter toilet because he mentions how Jimmy Hart who of course refused last week to manage Pittman would gladly manage the janitor if it meant taking <laughs> Hulk Hogan out he would gladly manage the janitor but he would not touch Craig Pittman <laughs> oh incredible yeah spot from Bobby anyway enough of this fucking trash Sting and Luger win the match when they lock on simultaneous submission finishes on the super assassins who give up in unison. <laughs> oh no. What a disappointment. What's going on with Luger here, by the way? Like, every, he, he seemed very baby faced this week. And mm. do you know what I mean? He, he's, he seems to fluctuate between heel and face week on week. One week he's with Jimmy Hart, he's getting booed and he's loving it. And then with his best mate Sting the next week. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't, yeah, I just, totally. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him, to no. be honest. And no and more to the point, it just makes me not care. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, oh, I've yeah. Got, I've got I've got nothing. I've got no skin in this game when it comes to Lex. Like, I, it's it's bad. On we go from there. To, we've got ten minutes or so had passed in the program, so I was expecting. Look at me, watch Mean Gene's going to be out any second now, and he duly obliges at the end of this match. He's out for an interview. Uh, he's got Jimmy Hart out with him. It's it's the weekly segment, the weekly Jimmy Hart Mean Gene verbal sparring. Highlight of this was Hart's reaction, Hart's retort, should I say, the, to Gene's comment about his jacket, where where the mouth of the South asked him straight away, asked the world's busiest interviewer straight away if he was really that short or was he just standing in a hole? And as far as I could tell from the the camera angle, which was directly in front of them, um, they were they were the same height, exactly the same height. <laughs> It's the worst. So Jimmy must have stepped into the hole as well. <laughs> it's just fucking painful. Come on, Jimmy Hart. It did look like he just, he didn't have one ready, did he, Jimmy Hart? It was like yeah. one of his, like... Caught a bit off guard. Yeah, and it was one of his kind want. of... Yeah, standard kind of 10 to pick from responses, and he just picked the wrong one. <laughs> the roller yeah, decks didn't, uh, didn't help him out that time. Uh, the, the, the spiel here is essentially uh, I don't really know what this was for the spiel, here, the spiel here is Hart is mixing it with a load of different wrestlers because he's always going to be around winners uh, the irony being he stood next to the giant who was brought out with him who was only with on Nitro I can remember came against the Cobra about three months ago yeah. <laughs> and then uh, unfortunately the giant takes over gets a, gets a spin on the oh, mic and gives man. this terrible take he gives this shocking take on the classic underdog face promo where he talks about getting bullied by Hulk Hogan and he's sick of it. And one of these days, Hulk Hogan, you're going to get the, the ass kicking that you're long overdue and all this. <sighs> First time I found myself in agreement with the giant, though. I've, <laughs> I've got no faith he'll be the one to administer said ass kicking. With Correct. The, the, the thing here with, with this is well, like, when, when you watch Raw with, with, with The Undertaker and how, and how subtle his, his promos are, when you've got this physical specimen like the Giants, if he was just silent, like a silent assassin, or yeah, completely, how, how much more effective would he be than this absolute comedic character that we've been churned up to be? He would, but you're forgetting that every time he gets in the ring, he loses. Every time he gets in the allocation, he's <laughs> no, true, <laughs> So if they changed all that stuff as well, <laughs> he tries, tries to drop kick or walks the top rope, yeah. <laughs> or, or gets pushed off a building. <laughs> But it'd be, 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 be a little bit more intimidated anyway. You're right. You You're dead right. So closing out Nitro this week, we've got as the main event Hulk Hogan going up against Ric Flair for the big gold belt. 
That's three weeks in a row now on Nitro that the uh, the heavyweight title has been on the line. Four weeks if you count uh, Starcade. So it's becoming a regular spot now on WCW. So Hogan's six-day festive suspension is over. <laughs> and to ensure that he really learns his lesson and his punishment is a shot at the heavyweight title. What a farce. What an absolute farce. Anyway, Fleur is out first to a hero's reception. He's sporting a large plaster on his forehead after the bobbing for apples in tomato soup incident <laughs> at Starcade. Uh, he's also sporting the German flag attire once again Hogan's music hits next and he's quickly down to the ring we get the t-shirt ripping sketch before the usual cupping the hand to the ear of bollocks and Hogan gets this underway with some shoulder tackles that knocks Fleur to the mat it's a very raucous crowd here in Atlanta with both Hogan and Fleur getting a decent pop from the crowd even though Bischoff is trying to sell to us that Hogan is getting the better of the reception <laughs> Fleur is selling like it. Corsi, Corsi is. How good was last week's Nitro when he wasn't on it? Jesus, no, no, that's all you could think watching this. It's, it's absurd, isn't it? <laughs> it's pathetic. It's absolutely oh, absurd. Very good. Fleur is selling like an absolute champ here as uh, as Hogan locked before some vicious chop gets a woo from the crowd. Hulk allows a couple before hulking up and no selling the last couple. Shock. <laughs> Hogan tries to mount a comeback. He sends Fleur into the corner with an Irish whip and as he charges over, the dirtiest player in the game gets an elbow up to thwart Hogan. Crowd love it here. They go off. But according to Eric Bischoff, the crowd are motionless. <laughs> but... <laughs> Momentum shifts again here as Hogan hits a press slam as Fleur tries to go up top, which he follows up with consecutive clotheslines, the second one knocking Fleur to the outside. Fleur uses this break to catch his breath as per usual and the two exchange blows on the outside of the ring before heading back into the ring where Hogan whips Fleur into the corner and he spins 360 in the, 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 the remarkable spot we always get from yeah. Fleur to the outside okay. and he lands on his feet. Hogan spots this, he charges over and he lands a clothesline once again that knocks Fleur to the apron. Just when it looks like Hogan is getting on top, Fleur uses a poke to the eye, followed by a knee drop to the back of Hogan's leg that sends the pasta maniac to the canvas. <laughs> Fleur then... I pres- <laughs> haven't had that call back for ages. <laughs> pasta mania. What a fucking fuck. What a joke. I forgot about it. I forgot about it. I haven't impressed it. <laughs> yeah, it's probably best we do that. I don't know why I've uh, dipped into the archives. Oh, Fleur then proceeds to target this leg as per usual, uses the uh, the ropes to drop his body weight onto Hogan's knees, softens this up for the figure four. Fleur locks his finisher in, but Hogan barely offers any reaction as per usual and quickly rolls over to counter the hold. Jimmy Hart then, or Maggot of the South, as Bischoff refers to him, <laughs> sprints down from the back and with his megaphone attempts to rile Fleur up. Fleur hits a nice suplex onto Hogan before pausing to salute the crowd and then covering Hogan who kicks out after two before hulking up once more. It's so shit, this spot, isn't it? This hulking up sketch, it needs to be left just in the 80s. Why is he still going with this? It's so, so out of date. Anyway... Hulk blocks uh, Fleur's advances and Lanson blows himself before a big boot sends Fleur to the mat. Hogan then messes this leg drop up by bouncing off the wrong rope so he kind of like <laughs> has to manoeuvre himself in the air around Fleur so he can actually drop this leg drop correctly as, as Fleur was facing the wrong way. What, what a mess. You know, he, he can't even get his finisher right. What a joker. He has come he, back he, off a big suspension. He might be a bit rusty. Come on. I mean, give, give him a break. Fast. <laughs> oh, man. This is your bread and butter, your finishing move. 
It's only a leg drop. You put Fleur to the mat and you, you bounce off the wrong ropes. What oh, an idiot. Man. You've got the neck what on it, I call a fucking leg drop. I finish you, you still can't do that right. You <laughs> <laughs> brass neck. Absolute farce. What a, what a joker. Anyway, before Hogan can cover, Jimmy Hart is quickly up on the apron to, to distract Hogan. And while this is going on, Double A enters from Hogan's blind side and clocks Hogan with the brass knucks. Again, Hogan no-sells this and bounces straight back up to his feet before knocking the battery down with a big punch. He then goes down Arn's trunks. I mean, why, why is this happening? This is the second person to go back down Arn's trunks. He pulls... I'm going to root around. <laughs> yeah. well, thankfully, he doesn't... He doesn't, he doesn't Get off his double A's. Get off his double A's. <laughs> he doesn't stay there for too long, but he pulls the knocks out. <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes back down he shows the referee the nooks who instantly calls for the bell that's not how it works but yeah exactly what's so he's going cost on himself, he's cost himself winning the title there Hogan, exactly <laughs> exactly what an idiot he's cost himself a shot at the big gold belt uh, and the rest the rest of the horsemen they come sprinting down to the rink but this doesn't matter of course because Hulk Hogan wipes them all out <laughs> the WCW bell ringer is going nuclear here and the crowd is going ballistic and after sitting through Earl Hebner with his whistle and now this I'm ready for the end <laughs> The list. Oh, I was oh, tapping man. out. It was like Ken Shamrock had me in an ankle lock here. I was done. <laughs> I was absolutely done. <laughs> anyway, from the back, the giant heads down. So, you know, he he was the, the peacekeeper before, but clearly something's upset him. He, he, he's down here, and for some strange reason, he's carrying a bar stool. Um, I don't know why he's carrying this bar stool. There's surely some other implements he can he can bring down to the ring, and he's he's adamant that he's going to hit Hogan from behind. But <laughs> before he can do that, Savage is headed down as well. He he sees he sees the giants off. Uh, Hogan turns around to see the giants, and he clocks the giant with the nooks. The bell's still going off in the background, and the rest of the Dungeon of Underpants arrive to calm down the giants. The Zodiac clearly. Been watching Sting has inherited his persuasion skills, and this is enough to call the Giants off. And we head to a break. It's always one of them, isn't there? Always one. <laughs> you called it. You called it absolutely spot on before, Jim. <laughs> All of the war jumping. There's always one who uh, who gets a voice you know, sudden surge of conscience. Yeah. Anyway, back from the break, and uh, Mean Gene is in the ring with Hogan and Savage. Uh, and he leads off with, this was wilder than my New Year's Eve party. And I love that. Gene's been on, <laughs> on top form over the last couple of weeks, horsing down eggnogs. We know what he's been up to on New Year's Eve. Uh, but anyway, we, we go to Hogan and he's, <laughs> and he's shouting as loud as he possibly can. Um, and, and this follows by some boos by the crowd. Uh, Hogan and Savage then lay a challenge down to Fleur and Double A, a tag team match next week on Nitro if the horsemen have the minerals. Hogan then goes on to ramble on about the giant and a beanstalk uh, alongside a, a Toy Story reference about something to infinity and beyond. Yeah. Um, clearly, we, we know what he's been up to during his suspension um, <laughs> before finishing this interview by referring to the horsemen as four blind mice and Shetland ponies. No idea what a load of cobblers get him off the programme. <laughs> Spawn. Combs finish up this episode of Nitro by stating that the executive committee have granted Hogan's request. So that's literally taken 15 seconds. <laughs> so basically Hogan can book whoever he wants, whenever he wants, before again the Combs stick the knife into the competition. And that is your lot on Nitro for this week. 
So that was WCW Nitro, but what did we all make of it? Time for our builders and killers. My build number one. The illustrious Lord Stephen Regal in action, obviously showing the Philistines how it's done. Seriously, though, really genuinely did enjoy this match. Regal's just excellent in this, like, nasty heel mode uh, that he's, he's played, obviously, that for most of his career, but it's just... Really nice to see him in, well, finally see him for a kickoff, but also seeing him get a different type of match out of Benoit as well. Just just a shame about the underwhelming finish. Build number two, Arn and Savage. Another stellar performance from Arn, and these lads' contrasting styles work really well together, I thought. More of this. And build number three, Ric Flair is incapable of having a bad match. He's just so, so good. Getting an incredible match out of Hogan just speaks volumes. Jim, what we are Nitro Ratings Builders? I kick off with Arn Anderson at Building 1. Uh, I don't get why they had the match as soon as they did. Arn, uh, Anderson and Macho, like they could have surely built something up a bit there, couldn't they? You know, after he cost him the title and the, uh, the pay-per-view, but nevertheless. Uh, enjoyed the match. Thought the two of them, the battery and Macho, worked well together. Building number two, I've got the Horseman promo, so I enjoyed this. Although I do hate the idea it's going to be the Horseman in the fucking Dungeon of Doom, because that's bad. Yeah, last thing yeah, we, we don't want that. Yeah. Uh, final builder, though, it, in fact, should have been builder number one. It well deserved. Heen and Betty in the Pittman manager angle on it. Live. Awesome. Brilliant. And Liam, over to you. What were your Nitro ratings builders? Builder number one for me on Nitro this week, very easily, Arn Anderson. What an absolute performer this guy is. As mentioned, through the when I was doing the run-through of the, of the match, he makes the, the, the very basics of, of a contest look so elegant. You know, the crowd are always in appreciation of, of a DDT, Spinebuster, Hammerlock Slam. Absolute stellar performer, uh, Every week he's on there. He's promos as well, as as Jim has alluded to again. Uh, I love that Pittman was going off off piece there when he was spouting his nonsense and Arn just calmed the situation right down. Yeah, what great. an absolute class act. Builder number two is Regal versus Chris Benoit. I thought the uh, the match was the best on Nitro this week. Uh, Regal was was very good throughout this. You know, I can't believe it's taken this long to see you in action. Uh, hopefully, you know, you know, I know he's part of a tag team, but hopefully we get more glimpses of him. Uh, as we always say, it's very good to see, you know, the the starting out of of some of the uh, the, the performers you go and see further down the line. Yeah. And, and Regal was 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 on top form here, as was Chris Benoit. Very easily the best match. And building number three, I'm going to go for the comms just sticking the knife into uh, the WWF when you <laughs> when you're miles ahead in the ratings and you you're putting on decent decent shows on each each week. You can definitely stick the knife into the uh, to what the, the the opposition are serving up. And the toilet bowl was was in a very apt name. To what we've just watched on Raw. <laughs> Brilliant. And over to the killers. My killers are... Killer number one. I can't listen to the Giants FIFA foam voice anymore. I just I can't do it. Killer number two. I can't listen to Mongo talk about the little guy and explain why he's wearing something with a really, really tenuous link to whatever point he's trying to crowbar in uh, anymore. I can't do that neither. <laughs> <laughs> and killer number three. I can't listen to Hulk Hogan <laughs> call the giant stinky anymore. I can't do that. That that if I have to hear that one more time, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the laptop through my own face. Like it, 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 the st- the big stinky giant. That that's the best. The big stinky giant is the best. You, you killed him. You threw him off a roof, and he and he and he resurrected. He was <laughs> resurrected, and the best you've got is stinky. Fuck <laughs> them. <Christ. laughs> 
Tune, what were your Nitro ratings killers? Uh, my first killer that I've gone with, Eric Bischoff, specifically is, is fawning over Hogan. <laughs> killer number two, I've gone with the four horsemen. Acting as though Hogan was about to unleash a swarm of murder hornets upon them when in fact all he was going to do was you know he's threatening to hit them with a knuckle dust like all four of them on the knees yeah. right you, know, you do something you can only hit one of these lads you know what I mean exactly. you just jump on him it was it was just it was ludicrous wasn't it? ludicrous overacting and then finally I've gone with a, with a, with a Hogan medley for, for killer number three so um, an asset of, of, of Hogan disasters if you will so we've got him <laughs> Costing himself the title in the main event by grassing up the battery yeah. of Randy Anderson. Yeah, ridiculous. What are you doing that for? <laughs> um, then Randy Anderson being quick to DQ Flair, by the way, after despite ignoring all of the shenanigans at the pay-per-view. Forget about all exactly. them in the last event. Yeah, straight totally. away, he's, uh, oh, he's got breast knocks, is he? Right, I'm going to disqualify him. If you say so, Mr. Hogan. Um, and then Hogan challenging Flair to a tag match, having just had a single match with him for the, for the world title. Right, we've done that. Now we've got to have the tag match. <laughs> now to the real important match, the tag. <laughs> Absolutely, do it, Chris. Whenever Hogan gets involved, all logic just it just goes down the toilet. Then it goes down the toilet bowl. <laughs> to 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 borrow a phrase from uh, Eric Bischoff, but yeah, just everyone bending over backwards to make sure Hogan comes out looking strongest yeah. everything suffers for that doesn't it everything's just at the detriment of everything else completely lovely stuff and Liam over to you what were your Nitro ratings killers okay so killer number one is Hulk Hogan um, last week no Hulk Hogan was a builder <laughs> and this week was it was evidence why it was a builder last week because he just makes a mess of this programme every time he's on it <laughs> just the main event is always car crash when he's on, on Nitro and then He's always insisted on doing a, a pointless promo afterwards to explain what's gone on, and he does a terrible job at that. I mean, he was making reference to Toy Story and you know Shetland ponies today. It was it was absolute gubbins. Get him off the program. Absolute diabolical. Killer number two, Sergeant Craig Pittman. Why is this guy still allowed to just walk out from the back and then you know effortlessly just go up to the uh, the comms table, you know, start chirping on about all kinds of nonsense? This manager thing is being dragged out for far too long. It was kind of funny first week. I mean, it's it's being dragged out far too long now, isn't it? It needs to be just ditched. And then on the killers list, number three, Lex Luger. It doesn't take much for Lex to to make the killers list. But I just can't decide what he is at the moment. Is he is he a heel? Is he a face? I did allude to this uh, earlier on when he's with his best mates. He's he, he's you know he's saluting the crowd. Mm. When he's with Jimmy Hart, he's trying to you know get the crowd to go against him. I just don't know what's going on with him. He needs to sort that out. with all of that in mind let's see which show we thought should have gone over this week Liam let's start with you which show deserved to take the win the fight for viewing figures this week because they've been plugging this Raw Bowl and you're thinking some kind of American football event is going to take place I I think lots of uh, lots of viewers have tuned in there expecting mm. something that they didn't get um, so I'm going. I'm going. Raw got the more, the more, uh, the more viewers this week on that, on that, on that premise. Fair enough. Playing tactically again, like it. 
James, same question to you. This hard. I will say Raw deserved to, whether they did or they, they probably did it, like Liam says, but I'll say they deserved to just because they've tried to do something like you alluded to, Steve. I, I think for that reason, I'll say they deserve to win. Although by any stretch, no stretch of the imagination, am I endorsing what they try to do <laughs> as a yeah. good thing. Fair enough. Uh, Nitro, hands down for me. I, I hated Raw. Well, that's what we think, but what did the American public think in 1996? Over to the golden envelope to find out. Nitro, 2.5. Raw, 2.6. Raw and the Raw Ball. The Toilet Ball has taken it. Toilet they won't be back next week <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it yeah I think there'll be a backlash from the viewers next time around after seeing that <laughs> well let's see how that's affected the scores on the Monday Night Doors well we're once again back to all square at seven apiece what an absolute slugfest this is as the war really starts to heat up so that's it for the first episodes of 1996 but next time out We've got a debut of arguably the war's most important wrestler. We've got a shocking announcement from Mr. Pleather himself, HBK. And over on Nitro, I find a dream match of mine. Will it live up to the hype? You'll have to tune in next time to find out. But before we head off to start tracking down crop top American football jerseys on eBay, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're at TMNScores. That's at TMNScores. Well, all that's left to say is goodbye. So thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores. Big blow from Regal sends his opponent flying down to the mat for a big bap bunk. Big bap. <laughs> big bap. And some big baps. <laughs> Shut up. It's blue. Sit <laughs> <laughs> <Shut> down, Alan. <laughs> you would go flying the mat for that. For, for a, I've got to say it first time now. For a big back bump 